How long has it been since you last went to confession? A week? A month? A year? More? So there's an odd proportionality that occurs when we avoid the sacrament of reconciliation, and the longer we put it off, the stronger it gets. I'll explain what I mean coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, friends. Our goal is to help you grow in your spiritual life and your relationship with Jesus today by providing some helpful spiritual direction for living out the faith. My name is Patrick Conley. Ah, yes, the sacrament of reconciliation, confession. Although Catholics are only obliged to receive the sacrament once a year, the Church strongly encourages the children of God to avail themselves of the sacrament even if they only be conscious of venial sins more frequently and regularly, much more frequently and regularly. St. John Paul II, who reportedly went to confession at least once a week, said that frequent confession is a must to achieve personal holiness. But the thing is, most of us are at least slightly averse to recounting aloud those ways we've failed. I know I am. Perhaps you are too. It's kind of like going to the dentist's office. I don't look forward to it, but I know I need to go. But here's where that odd proportionality that I began with sets in. In my experience, the longer I refrain from going to confession, the more averse to it I become. It's not like an appetite, like hunger, when the longer I go without food, the more I desire it. No, it's the opposite. When I put off and put off going to confession, I want less and less to go because I become more and more embarrassed by the length of time it's been. I dread the thought of saying it's been three months, six months. It's been a year since my last confession. I fear that Father is going to give me a stern rebuke for putting it off for so long. More and more thoughts enter my imagination that would seek to keep me from the sacrament. But here's the thing. This growing aversion, it's a tool of the enemy. And it's a flat-out lie. It's a myth. Priests I know say that they are overjoyed when a person who has been away from the sacrament for a longer time decides to return. So, don't believe the myth. How long did you say it's been? A month? A year? Five years? More? Return to confession and let the celebration begin. Today, we're dispelling the myths of confession here on The Inner Life. Our spiritual director for today is Father Patrick Hyde. Father Patrick is a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Paul Catholic Center at Indiana University. He's also a national Eucharistic preacher. Welcome back to the program, Father. Patrick, it's good to be back with you. Thanks for having me today to talk about one of my favorite things, uh, confession, both receiving it and imparting it as a priest, and also what a great opportunity on the Feast of St. Alphonsus Liguori, yeah. the saint of moral theologians, to talk about reconciliation with God. Absolutely. And what a necessary uh, sacrament the sacrament of confession is. And, you know, technically speaking, I, I'm a convert to the Catholic faith. And other than my valid baptism in a Protestant tradition, I mean, this was really, reconciliation was really the first sacrament that I received, of course, before getting ready for the Easter vigil when I was 38 years old. So I had 38 years of sins to confess in the confessional as I went in there. And uh, I'll admit that first confession was a bit nerve-wracking, but uh, then getting in there and uh, getting through my long list of of sins that I could recall anyway, um, 
you know, by the time I left that, I felt light as a feather. I felt like the light of Christ had just dawned anew in my life. It was an amazing sacrament. Wow. Well, Father, um, as we're dispelling some of the myths of the sacrament here, maybe we better start out with just uh, what the sacrament actually is. What are what are the aspects, the main aspects of the sacrament, just in case people are unaware of what the sacrament of confession is all about? Yeah, so when we look at the sacrament of confession, reconciliation, penance, we, we use different words for it, and I, all of those hit at the different aspects of the sacrament itself. So, in fact, in the Catechism, it lists different names for the sacrament. It says it's a sacrament of conversion, a sacrament of penance, a sacrament of confession, sacrament of forgiveness, and sacrament of reconciliation. And it is all of those things because that is what happens during the sacrament. During the sacrament of reconciliation, conversion, penance, whatever we want to call it, what ends up happening is our hearts are converted more fully to Christ. Jesus is more present in our life. I like to tell the young people to come to confession. When we go to confession, Jesus converts our heart. He puts himself back into the middle of our life through the graces of the sacraments. There's penance. It's a part of it because we do the penance that's given to us, but it's also a penitential act to recognize and to admit our sins. And that's part of that confession is we have to announce and and share those sins with with God through the priest. Uh, But then God imparts those just incredible gifts of forgiving us. He absolves us of our sins, and then we're reconciled. It's not just that God says, I forgive you, but we're reconciled and that we're put back on equal footing with God. It, on, the, on Sunday of Easter, in the upper room in the Gospel of John, when Jesus appears to the apostles, the first thing he says to them is, peace be with you, shalom, in, the, in that Jewish tradition. That means we're, we're on the same pegging. We're, we're equals with each other. The thing that Jesus would be least likely, you would think, rationally to say is that word, we're peace, we are reconciled, and yet that's what Jesus does, and that's what Jesus offers to us in the sacrament of penance, confession, reconciliation, the chance for us not only to go through that conversion of heart, mind, and life, the, the confession of our sins, the penance, the forgiveness, but to also be back as if, and not as if, but as we were coming out of the baptismal font. Clean, pure, one with God. It's amazing. It truly is. It truly is. And, I mean, the more I reflect on it, the more amazing it becomes. It's just a... What a gift! What a gift it is! But let's go back to that. Let's go back to that uh, idea of penance there. And uh, this may be our first myth up, and well, other than the one that perhaps I shared at the beginning there. But um, the first myth that I want to talk about too with penance is specifically. I think sometimes, um, well, certainly as a Protestant, I had this understanding, and uh, I was. Uh, this is one of the critiques I had of the Catholic faith and everything that through this whole idea of penance that uh, we are somehow earning. God's forgiveness. Is that, what's the truth, what's the level of truth of that, that when we do penance, that we are buying our penance, or we are buying our forgiveness, we are earning our forgiveness? Yeah, so I, well, I think just on a basic catechetical theological level, we are made clean through the blood of the Lamb on the cross, that it is by Jesus's sacrifice that we are able to be forgiven and to be remade in his image. And we participate in that in terms of receiving the, the mercy of God in the sacrament. What our penance is, 
is part of our reparation. And I think this is important. We often don't talk about this a lot. And even when I was growing up, I don't remember it ever being talked about until I really, I was in formation for the priesthood, that penance is a participation in our reparation. In the same way that if you and I were to get into an argument and and I were to say some nasty, hurtful things and apologize and you were to forgive me, I still need to, to re-earn, in a way, your trust. I need to, to re-instill uh, not only in our relationship, but also in myself, that goodness. And so our penance is, I'm not earning God's love again. I'm not doing something uh, that's going to earn or merit my salvation or my, my forgiveness. It's, in a sense, those, those acts of penance are that decision on my part to recommit to the yeah. life of grace and virtue, to recognize that the sins that I've committed have hurt other people. For instance, yes, God has given me forgiveness if I confess to the sin of, of stealing money, but there's still a brokenness in the relationship I have with the person who, from whom I've stolen, even if they don't know that I've stolen. If I stole money from my mom's purse when I was a teenager, you know, and I confess that sin, there's still something, there's still a brokenness in that relationship with my mom that I still need to make up for through acts of charity and through acts of reparation. Mm. And that's really what penance does, is it allows us to then recommit uh, to being uh, in love with God and with our neighbor. Yeah, yeah. That's that's when I've been describing it to uh, participants who have gone through the RCA, OCA process, that that's one of the things I've said is that this act of penance is really getting us back on the right track, right? Refocused in the direction that we need to we need to be mm-hmm. headed in. And that is, of course, into the loving embrace of, of our Heavenly Father. We're speaking today about the myths of confession. And our spiritual director is Father Patrick Hyde, a Dominican priest. And uh, he is guiding us through kind of dispelling some of the myths of confession. When was the last time you went to confession? And how do you typically prepare for the sacrament? And maybe you have an experience of confession that you'd like to share with us. Be that good, bad, or ugly. Give us a call and, and let us know what that was like. 888-914-9149. 914 Maybe you have a specific myth or question about the sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of confession that you would like to ask. 888-914-9149. And our email address is relevantradio.com. Well, Father, there could very well be people who have been away from the sacrament for a long time uh, who are listening today, or maybe they're not of the Catholic tradition or are interested in just learning more about the sacrament. So let's take a moment just to go through the steps of going to confession and reflect on it just a little bit. So what happens when a penitent receives the sacrament or begins the sacrament uh, there in the confessional or wherever it might be taking place? Okay, well... I'm, I'm going to pull back just a little bit farther than that, Patrick. You know, the the process of going to confession begins before we even get to the church. That's It's that examination of conscience. Uh, good point. We may do it at the church, but before we even step into the confessional or approach Father for the sacrament, we need to do a good examination of conscience. We need to you know, acknowledge our sins, that's really important, but also to start to look and to say, okay, where where am I really struggling? What really needs to be... Uh, the, in a sense, the, the, the point of focus of this particular confession. I, I, not, I need to know, I need to acknowledge uh, what I did, bef- because ultimately then what we can, the Lord can help to reveal to us is to start to see the effects of those sin and how the grace that he imparts upon us 
will uh, allow us to uh, positively uh, go after those effects of sin. And so we do need to do that examination, especially if you've been away from the sacrament. And there are so many wonderful resources online at your local parish for doing an examination of conscience so that you can be well prepared. But once you get there, it, I think sometimes we get so worked up and, oh, I haven't been there in a while. I don't know how to do it. Well, it, it's it's in one way like riding a bike and that once you've done it, it comes back to you. But but it's it's not like riding a bike because if you walk in there and have no idea what you're doing, you're going to be fine. God's going to forgive you. Amen. It's just, you know, when you go in there, normally speaking, what we do is in most confessionals, you have a choice of either going behind some sort of barrier or going face to face, although some some places don't have that option. But when you go in, the first thing that we're, we're called to do is to invite the presence of the Holy Trinity. So we, we make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And then it's good, it's a good and noble practice to let Father know what your state in life is and how long you're, since it's been since your last confession, right? Uh, it, it's helpful on this part for Father because it gives him an understanding of, okay, where does the pastoral counseling need to go? Right? If it's been 45 years since your last confession, that's an indicator to me as the priest, oh, okay, this is what I need to do to help instill the virtue of coming back to the sacrament or of inspiring and encouraging. All right, if it's been a week, okay, maybe I'll go a little bit deeper and challenge a little bit more. But once we've done that, acknowledged our, and then also our state in life, are we married? Are we single? What phase in that are we? How are we doing with that? Um, that's going to also give an indication. And then when we confess our sins, I think it's important for us to remember, confess your sins. Don't confess your spouse's <laughs> sins, your children's sins. As tempting as sins. it may be. Those are all sins. <laughs> yeah, those are all sins. And they, you know, but Father is not going to think any more or less of you based on the circumstances and environments. But confess your sins. And it's important for us to and I would always encourage people, start with the most difficult sins, either the ones that the way heaviest on your heart uh, because you've been committing it the most, it's the most insidious in your life, or, and or, I guess, if you've committed a mortal sin. You need to confess, when we say mortal sins, those are clearly defined sins that indicate that we have made a decision to separate ourselves from God's love. And we need to confess the number and kind. And what that really means is, what have I done and how many times have I done it? And we be as specific as possible because it, it helps the priest on one level. But here's the other thing. We exercise dominion in our lives over Satan, over evil, over the world through our gift of rationality and by naming things. In the very beginning, Adam exercises dominion over the created world by giving the creatures names. When we fail to name our sins, especially mortal sin, we in a way give that power over us. No one wants to confess that they've fornicated or committed masturbation or, or stolen a significant amount of money or, or, or attacked a dear friend or family member. No one wants to say that. But God, in his great mercy and love for us, gives us the strength and the power to be healed from that when we name that and bring it to him. So when we confess our sins, especially if we're attentive to or aware of mortal sin, to be willing to name that with specificity, not only in terms of what we've done, but what kind of frequency that in. Now, if you've been away for a long time, frequency maybe this is something that I did for a while and now I do once in a while. Maybe it's something every day. Maybe it's something that happened a long time ago but hasn't happened in a while. We still need to, as best we can, give at least as the most specific details that we can. And then the other thing, too, and I think sometimes we forget this in confession, 
is when we confess our sins, there are some times we bring to the Lord a sin, and we're not exactly sure, was that a mortal sin? Should, you know, and, and if it was a mortal sin, you know, then we have to, you know, for instance, if we commit a mortal sin, we should refrain from going to Holy Communion until we've been absolved of our sins. Well, if you're not quite sure if that was a mortal sin, it's important to ask that. Um, because then you can be more attentive in the future. So if, if I fall into that, to not committing any sort of sacrilege by unworthily presenting for Holy Communion, but also by, you know, making sure, okay, oh gosh, I fell into that. I need, I'm so sorry, Lord, I'm going to make sure I get to confession before I go to Mass. And, uh, and then after that, or before at least I present myself for Holy Communion. And then asking for guidance and clarification. And then the priest, after you've confessed your sins, it's always good to say, for these sins and for those I've forgotten. It's a good way of just kind of acknowledging I, I'm done confessing, Father. Right, <laughs> Give them a good right. social cue. Uh, yeah. It may not be that poetic, but just say, okay, maybe that's it. Whatever it is, give them a cue. <laughs> Father will then okay. give you some sort of pastoral guidance and counsel. Um, and then an act, he'll give you a penance, and then you'll, com- you'll uh, profess your act of contrition, and he'll give you the prayer of absolution. And God will will uh, reunite you, him, himself fully, you and himself fully in the grace uh, given in baptism. Mm. Fantastic. Speaking today with our spiritual director, Father Patrick Hyde, Dominican priest, leading us through the myths of confession. We're coming up with some ourselves, but if you have a myth of confession that you'd like to share, if you have a question about the Sacrament of Reconciliation, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Let's take a phone call. We've got Susie who's calling in from San Diego, California. Good morning, Susie. Thanks for calling in to The Inner Life. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I do have a question. I am a cradle Catholic from a not very religious family, and I was the last of the bunch. So I was late in making um, my my sacraments. I made my first Holy Communion and, and Reconciliation in fourth grade, and then I didn't get confirmed until my early 20s. Um, I did it, you know, on my own and stuff. But um, I have been to confession many times, but I never feel like I did it completely and or correctly. When I was making my confirmation, I was in, like I said, my early 20s. The retreat we had where we practiced our reconciliation, we had a new priest at our church who happened mm. to be my high school English teacher. And he kind of grabbed me by the shoulders and said, you're going to go first and show everybody that this is an okay thing to do. And so I froze and I did never made a very good confession because he was my high school English teacher. And um, anyway, I don't feel like I've ever made one. So I'm 62 years old now. How do I go about confessing 62 Mm -hmm. years? Yeah. Well, uh, Susie, uh, thank you for that. I, that's a, gr- a great question. A lot of people feel that way, and, and especially people who have either been away from the sacrament or I, I, years ago, I remember having, I was walking with my dad and he said to me, he said, you know, I feel like that second grade boy kneeling behind the screen, going to confession to this old Monsignor scared, scared the lights out of me. Right. And he, you know, he's telling me this as a very faithful Catholic man. And we all in a way, imperfectly confess our sins. And I think that's important. There's, there's, there's no, in a way, you know, except for perhaps the, the holiest among us, we're all there where we may forget to confess one or two of our sins. 
Um, we may not exactly know how to go through it. And this is a good thing for us. This is why faith, you know, the virtue of faith, right? We, when we, we encounter God, there's always that element of faith. We believe that God makes up for our imperfections with his perfection. And so we, all we are trying to do is, as best we can, confess the sins that we know in our hearts uh, to strive, you know, especially to never withhold sins, recognizing that I'm going to forget one or two. But this is why, you know, we, we go. We just, also, I just want to encourage you just to go more often, to, to get better at it, to, to recognize that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to remember something on the way home or, or think that. But here's, here's the beauty. God's mercy, God's love overshadows all of that, over, overcomes all of our weaknesses. And we acknowledge that in simply making that effort. And I just, yeah, that's the thing. I think we need to remember just as, you know, especially if you have, if you're a parent of children, that especially of young children, you over, (laughs) you overdo what the child is lacking. When the child is trying to ask for something, when the child is trying to do something and they don't, they don't maybe have the language skills at this point in their life, or they're so frustrated, they can't speak. It's your job as a parent to to give them the words, to help them settle down. And that's what God does, but not in an imperfect human way, but in his perfect divine way. And so I just want to encourage you not to be upset or discouraged or disheartened, but to keep coming back to the Lord and asking for his mercy, because, you know, he, he doesn't, we don't get a report card on the way out. You know, you got an A plus, you did it perfectly, or you got a D minus, or you failed. We only fail if we fail to show up or if we refuse to confess our sins, God will make up for any of our shortcomings uh, through his generosity and mercy when we go to the sacrament of confession. And Father, the priest that I know usually um, might encourage someone like Susie and Susie's situation to maybe make an appointment to to go in and, you know, not necessarily just jump in the local confession line. Is that uh, is that something that might be advisable? Yeah, if you're feeling like, okay, and this is especially if someone's listening who has been away for a long time or has uh, has maybe never been to confession and is converting, yeah, don't be afraid to ask Father for some time and just to say, you know, Father, can I set up a t- some time? I, I need a half an hour, an hour, just to, to do a confession with you. And when we have here at Indiana University, where I'm privileged to serve as the pastor of the Newman Center, every year we, you know, we're, we have anywhere from 15 to 20 young men and women who come into the church, many from uh, Protestant backgrounds, and so they have to make a, a first confession before receiving the sacraments. And we, we try to make a, a, a real concerted effort to be widely available for them, to be able to come in and, and talk their way through that, at least if nothing else, before their confession, to talk about it. Um, you know, I think that's important, too, is to remember that the, the things that the Father, that your priest wants to do more than anything, is to impart the sacraments. That's why he's a priest. And so we think, oh, well, I'm asking Father for his time. I would much rather sit in my office and talk with someone about the sacrament of confession and how to make a good, thorough confession much more than I would like to answer emails or look at a budget. <laughs> <laughs> truth, truth, truth. <laughs> Thank you for We're that, Father. not imposing. Right, right. Thank you for that, Susie. Good call, good question, and uh, yeah, our prayers are with you, and hopefully there's a there's an ex- amazing experience of confession waiting for you right around the corner. We're talking about myths of confession today here on The Inner Life with our spiritual director, Father Patrick Hyde. We're going to take another short break right now, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. Don't go away. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, 
a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Hey, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Patrick Conley. Thanks for listening on Relevant Radio, relevantradio.com, and the Relevant Radio app. We're so grateful that you've joined us as we're speaking about the myths of confession with our spiritual director, Father Patrick Hyde, a Dominican priest and pastor of the Newman Center there at Indiana University. Let's go back to the phones now. We've got Maggie who's calling in from Chicago, Illinois. Maggie, welcome to The Inner Life. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are talking about this today. I just, I love this sacrament so much, and it's changed my life. Um, I, in my early 20s, had fallen away from the faith for a number of years, um, and eventually as I started kind of being curious about the faith again and, and um, attending Mass and then feeling like I should go to confession at some point, you know, one of the myths of confession is, is what we perceive about it, um, especially when we're far from the sacraments. You approach it kind of sweating bullets. You know, you're like, oh, this priest is going to give it to me because I haven't gone in years and I've been unfaithful. And um, you, you're overwhelmed by the grace and the mercy in those situations because I can't, I can't tell you my first couple confessions back how, how gracious these priests were in saying, we're so glad you're here. Welcome back. And, you know, we're, thank you for making such a good confession. And it's not what you're expecting at that moment. You know, it kind of takes you by surprise because you're like, wait, what? I just told you all this stuff. Um, I, I, I was telling Thomas, the call screener, that one Lent as I was coming back into the faith more fully, I had heard someone say that they had done this practice of going to confession once a week for the period of Lent. And it just kind of like pricked my interest. And I was like, oh, you know what? This Lent, I'm going to do that. So I went every week to the same priest and um, I found that it helped me reflect back on a lot of things in my life that I just hadn't quite perceived in, in a way that that our catechism would like us to see our life. You know, the more you go to confession, the more your eyesight and your insight um, is formed around the true teachings of the church. And um, your heart kind of conforms to that too. So you start to look at different things that have happened in your life in just a different way. And it, it really helped refresh my spiritual journey. Yeah, well, thank you, Maggie. Well, praise God for all of that, that uh, what the Lord does in our life. And I always encourage our young people here at Indiana University, if you really want to change your life, go to confession every month during the school year. Uh, To your point, it does offer us that. But I think, you know, there's there's two things that you mentioned there that I think are really important for for our listeners to, to, to reflect upon. One is our experience of father in the world is not necessarily our experience of father uh, in the confessional. So uh, I've, I've heard wonderful stories of 
of priests and bishops who many people consider stern or distant or difficult, being the most gentle and uh, just paternal confessors with hearts that are just right there. Uh, and I think oftentimes we think, you know, in the same way, right? We, we see that with earthly fathers and husbands that they, you know, they may have a job to do or work to do, but yet what they're with their, their beloved, they're so tender and, 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 and gentle. And, and so I, I want to just encourage, you know, if you're, if you maybe don't, you're priest and you don't necessarily get along or you, you may be, oh gosh, he's, he's too soft or too strong. You don't be, don't let that be uh, something, or maybe he'll judge me because he knows me so well out in the world. Uh, Father, he loves you and he's there to bring you Jesus and, and Jesus is there in the sacrament. And the other thing too is sometimes we have bad experiences with priests in the confessional. Uh, priests have bad days or their advice is maybe not on point or maybe they're being presumptuous or something along those lines. Or or maybe you come to find out that a, a priest whom you knew or went to confession was doing terrible things uh, or is was a terrible person. And God's mercy still works for that. That's the, the in one way. We, thanks be to God for the fact that He He works through broken instruments. Because woe unto us, right? We would all be uh, without hope if that were not true. But I think it's just you know that that re, that reflection of of going to confession, of taking that leap of faith, of embracing that moment of awkwardness to receive infinite grace, and to not be afraid of that. And you know, and the, the, where I serve, uh, we have five Dominican priests here at our Newman Center, and so people get the, the they know the different ways in which each of us, in I guess our personalities come out in the sacrament of confession. You know, one, our older priest who's a former missionary, the students love him because he's just such a just a loving uh, grandfatherly presence. They know when you know more likely or not when they come to me. A young man once said that going to confession with me was like having your, his, his sins scrubbed off with, with uh, steel wool. And I, I didn't really like that image, but you know, it just, sometimes you, you, the priest pushes because he knows that he can, and, uh, or that he's feeling called by the spirit, but our experience of the priest, our experience of confession, it, it's a good reminder that, that, that God is still working even in the brokenness or in the goodness uh, of that priest, because God is not bound by us. Excellent point, Father, and I think that there's much to be said for that. And and you're right, Maggie. Thank you for the call. And great to be speaking with you here on air. And uh, great that uh, this is a, such an important topic, and there is something that is that is uh, so refreshing and rejuvenating. And that's true, even if we don't necessarily feel that as well, even if we don't uh, have that, because feelings can be deceptive. I think sometimes the Lord blesses us with those great feelings, and sometimes it's it's not as as uh, staggering. Um, but nonetheless, the graces are present there when we go with a truly penitent heart. So wonderful. Thank you for that, Maggie. Appreciate that. Let's go now to Nelson calling in from Hagerstown, Maryland. Nelson, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I'll just have a question about uh, confession. Um, I would like to ask, um, how does God look at um um, the confession we make we, when we ask him for forgiveness privately as opposed to uh, the sacrament of confession that uh, the priest administers. Okay, thank you, Nelson. That's a good question, right? Um, in the, the reality is, is we, we know that God looks upon us with love. 
that he desires us um, and that uh, our hearts desire him because he created us. Uh, it's good to remember, though, you know, that as Catholics, we believe that God gives us the sacraments as the, the way in which we can know that he has acted in my life. To be forgiven, uh, one must have perfect contrition. One must be truly uh, desire, truly repentant uh, and acknowledging the evil that he or she has done and to seek forgiveness from that from God. Uh, but I, I don't know about you or, or anyone else for that matter, Nelson, but I, I know that I'm not perfect. Uh, I, I, I've, I, I, as much as I try to think that I am at times perfect, I, I'm a flawed human being and uh, I'm flawed in my, in my best moments. And so what the sacrament of uh, of reconciliation allows for us to do is it allows for us to know with absolute certainty that we have been forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, and I think it's important, like if you were married, uh, you, you would, and if you, maybe you got into an argument with your spouse, you would say, okay, well, uh, I know that my spouse will forgive me about the things that I have said, but I'll never admit to having done anything wrong in any sort of, uh, outside of in my heart. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell my friends, but I'm not going to tell my spouse. Well, uh, well, your spouse may never actually know, or actually what your spouse really desires is to be reconciled with you in a meaningful, concrete way. Uh, and so when we go to the sacrament of confession, we can be assured that, that God has fully con- uh, forgiven our sins, but not only that, that God has forgiven our sins, but that we're fully reconciled with the church. And oftentimes I think we miss that. The, the, the grace of the sacrament is twofold. It's, it's forgiveness of our sins, but it's also reconciliation with the church. Mm-hmm. And the sacrament provides us both of those things in a concrete way, because the door is open for us. The light is on for us. The priest is there for me uh, so that I can know God more fully and be reunited fully with his love, but also so that I can be uh, a greater brother and sister to my brothers and sisters in Christ and the church. Yeah. Good question, Nelson. And let's actually, uh, you might want to hang on, Nelson, because we're going to go to uh, Teresa, who's calling in from Reedsburg, Wisconsin. And uh, she has a point to to make that I think that speaks directly to this. Teresa, uh, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi there. Thank you. Um, yeah, I heard that last call on the phone here, and I was like, well, this is perfect. I was at Mass a couple of weeks ago, and the priest made a comparison with uh, the sacrament of confession to the other sacraments. And um, he said, you know, why do you believe that you should come to church to um, celebrate the Eucharist when you could just have bread and wine at home and you could invite people and do it there or have, a, have water at home and invite people over for a baptism? He said, it's the same thing with the sacrament of confession. You need to be in, with a priest in the church. And um, so many of our, well, I guess our kids and other people who say they're Catholic, they go along with everything with the faith, um, except they don't believe that they need to be with a priest to have their confession. They just can talk directly to God. But you really do need that as part of the, of the sacrament. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely, Teresa. I think it's, it's just a good reminder that ours is an incarnational faith, that God came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ. God is not remote from us. God is not distant from us. He desires for us to experience him, not in an emotional way or just in the way that we desire it, but in a way that unites us 
fully with him and with other people because it's that that there, there's a the incarnation is so central to everything that we do and the sacraments are God's way of in a way uh continuing that incarnation by you know when we when we receive the eucharist we receive Jesus fully body blood soul and divinity when we hear the priest say i absolve you it is god himself saying this to us and so for those of us who are, are either weak in our faith or struggling we are able then to recognize that we are healed, not through our own efforts, but through the grandeur of God's grace. Uh, and I think that's important, too, because if it's just me uh, and, and, and God, like I, I'm, I'm the one doing all of the heavy lifting. I acknowledge that I was wrong. Therefore, God forgives me. And it, it helps. It, 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 I think we can miss the power of mercy in that what God is saying is, <laughs> in fact, uh, I'm doing all of the work <laughs> and I'm ble- you know, and I, I'm the one who's converting your heart. And I want you to know how cherished you are, how loved you are, even in this brokenness. And here's this sacrament. Here's this priest to let you know that you are cherished in your brokenness by me. Uh, and here's to show you that here's your forgiveness and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Cherished in your brokenness by me in the midst of the community of the church, which is uh, wonderful. And yeah. that's what I think you're expressing, Father. That's what I think uh, addresses Nelson's question. And uh, Teresa, great point. Thank you for calling in. We're speaking about the myths of confession. If you have a question about the sacrament of confession there or a uh, just a good way of looking at it, or maybe there's a myth in your own uh, experience that is common amongst people that you know of and would like to dispel that myth, give us a call. And our spiritual director, Father Patrick Hyde, will do his best to dispel that myth for us. We Our phone number here at The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. We're going to take another short break, but we've got more to come, so stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Welcome back to The Inner Life. So glad that you've joined us. We're talking about, we're having a great discussion actually about the myths of confession and great questions coming in uh, both over the phones and through email. If you have a question about Sacrament of Reconciliation, give us a call, 888-914-9149. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to our producer, Nick Sentovich, and Thomas Engeser, who is fielding your phone calls today. And to our spiritual director, Father Patrick Hyde, is a pastor of Newman Center at Indiana University and also a National Eucharistic Preacher. Well, we uh, have got some great calls lined up for us here. Let's go back to the phones. Zach is calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. Zach, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling in. Hey guys, how you guys doing? Appreciate taking the call. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so I had a question about confession. So if you confess a mortal sin, but you forget to say how many times it was, and it comes to your conscience afterwards, is your confession still valid? Or do you need to reconfess it the next time you go again and say the number of times? Well, it depends on your intentionality. If you deliberately withheld the number of times that you've confessed it, Right, when it has to do with mortal sin, if it's about whether it's our intentionality. Do we intend to confess it in as best that we can? Um, you know, or do you lie to the priest or are you afraid to say it? So if you know, if it's something that's um 
yeah, so validity, I, I, you know, I think a good, a good rule of thumb would be the next time that you go to confession any time, but in particular with mortal sin, you say, well, you recognize, oh gosh, I, I didn't, or sometimes we, we realize later on that a sin that I was confessing was a mortal sin and I didn't even know that. Um, you know, you can feel free to bring that back up in confession, but unless you've deliberately withheld that information from the priest, you can consider yourself uh, absolved. Good question, Zach, and I, I appreciate that. Father, what about um, if you don't remember the number of times that you committed a, a mortal sin? What What's the advice there? Well, this is, uh, Patrick, somewhat common when you have someone who's been away from the sacrament right. for a long time. And it's uh, was this, uh, just trying to get, this was a frequent thing if it was, a daily thing to be, you know, maybe it's not right now a daily thing, but at one point in my life it was, this is why an examination of conscience is so critical before we go to confession to be able to at least acknowledge with specificity. Um, but, and maybe it's something that happened years and years ago and you, you weren't quite sure. Maybe you had, um, you know, a propensity for doing such things 40 years ago that you don't do now. So the best thing you can do is to say, okay, the, is to try and give a general idea of the, the frequency that that happened. Um, but as we're going to confession more often, it becomes, this is, I think one of the reasons why, you know, regular confession, I always encourage monthly confession is, is, is so helpful because it helps us to acknowledge, okay, yeah, you know, last month I confessed this, this sin and I, I knew I was doing that every day. Now I'm doing it every other day. Now we start to see how the grace of God is working in our hearts. Mm. We start to see, okay, well, maybe or maybe we start to see maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of confession as God's going to do all the work for me, and I actually need to be the one who's resolved to address this particular uh, sin or or uh, inclination in my life. Yeah, yeah, and it seems that there can be a tendency towards, or there not a tendency necessarily, but there a temptation anyway towards some uh, scrupulosity when it comes to some of this. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, dissuade people from being explicit in the confessional, but. If there's a, you know, I'm, I I just don't know. I know when I was confessing my first confession of 38 years, I, you know, I just said I committed this sin, sin, I have no idea how many times, but it was many or it was mm-hmm. at least a few times or something like that. And, and uh, you know, like you said before, Father, the Lord is there with mercy and he is he is wanting us to uh, to receive all of his graces in the confessional, right? Absolutely. And when we start to to do that, we, you know, I still remember one of the most important events in my entire life, and one of the reasons I'm a priest is I went to confession in Europe. I went to confession at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome right after Christmas, and I thought, wow, you know, of all my confessions in college, this is probably going to be the quote-unquote best. I'm, you know, I've been going to Mass almost every day, but there was still some serious stuff going on in my life, and I remember the priest challenging me on that, and, and I was like, oh, actually... This this life of grace, uh, it didn't change me in the moment, but it did over time. This is this is something that's serious. That when we take it seriously, it does in fact change us, and it constantly calls us to to something more, to something higher, to a greater gift of self, but also to a greater encounter, uh, a freer encounter with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true, very true. And uh, yeah, what a gift it is, what a gift it is. Let's uh, take another phone call. Carmen is calling in from Riverside, California. Carmen, thanks for being patient with us, and thanks for calling in. Hello. Carmen? Carmen, are you there? Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. 
Welcome. Okay. Well, um, I'm really happy to uh, happy that you took my call. Um, the thing that's often on my mind uh, is the the rapidity of the the same sin. So every every two or three months, there I am, waiting with uh, in our local church, maybe with 50 other people, to to confess confess in sins, venial sins, uh, but uh, the same the same big sin uh, over and over again. And uh, I just, uh, I think what, what Father said was, was true in my case. I think it, it's lessening. Uh, the, the sin I'm, I'm committing is, is lessening. Maybe I don't need every three months or so. Uh, so I think that the power of prayer and the power of Christ uh, is helping. But anyway, that was my question. Uh, the same sin committing the same mortal sin over and over again. So, and, and going to confessional and kind of, kind of thinking, you know, there's gotta be another way. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Carmen, for that. Uh, I would say, first of all, let's all take a deep breath and recognize, thanks be to God, we're confessing the same things over and over again in one way, right? Imagine if every time you went to confession, it was, it was a totally new set of sins and struggles. (laughs) Uh, when we step back and look at our sins, and the, especially those which we we frequently confess, I, I still remember the first time after I was ordained a priest, I went to confession, and I'm standing there in line. I just happened to be somewhere, and I, I, I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness, here are the same little things that I've been doing since I first started going to confession. I'm like, con- here I am, a priest. Oh my, and I was kind of frustrated or whatnot. And I went to confess and I, and I walked in and I, I almost never go to the confession face to face, but for whatever reason, I felt called to do that. And I, I told the priest there that I was frustrated and nervous because it was my first time going to confession as a priest. And he looked up at me and he said, well, it's my first time hearing confessions as a priest. And so we just kind of laughed in that moment of all of that, but it was just a, just, you know, what a blessing it is to know when we start to grow closer. This is the cross. This is our cross. Um, and that's my struggle, but, and we can think of the cross as this is the thing that's going to keep me down, but the cross is the source of our salvation, not only the cross of Christ, but the cross is in our own life. And when we start to see, okay, Hey, this, you know, my, those little things, those defects of personality that manifest themselves in sin, my, those, those struggles or those inclinations toward, toward grave sin. Okay. That's, that's the battlefield for me. And knowing that is probably one of, if not the most important parts of our spiritual journey with the Lord is now I can see in front of me the the battlefield and the way, the means by which the areas in my life that Jesus is going to bring me closer to him and help me to overcome sin and death through his own suffering and death and resurrection. And here's the beautiful part too, is as Carmen is, and maybe you've experienced this, is when we start to find healing after bringing those things repeatedly to the Lord, when the Lord uh, and my will start to become closer and I, I start to overcome those, those broken inclinations and those, you know, those obstacles and stumbling blocks in my life, all of a sudden I become a light for people who are going through something similar. And I look at that in my own life and I say, wow, I'm a college, I'm a pastor of a college Newman center. And in so many ways, I was so far from the Lord through my own brokenness and sin in college. And it's like, Oh, you know, by God's grace and God's grace alone, in many ways, I've experienced profound healing and overcome a lot of that. And now I get to be a source 
of healing and mercy and grace to those people, uh, not through my greatness, but through the healing that God brought to my brokenness. Mm. And I hope that that inspires you to not be, to never grow tired in bringing those things to the Lord, because maybe just that witness of perseverance, especially to your nearest and dearest friends who know that struggle, maybe that witness is what's going to not only uh, keep you going, but inspire them to a greater gift of self to the Lord. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you, Carmen, for the call. A good question. And uh, believe me when I say, at least in my own experience and the people that I talk to, you are not alone in <laughs> having having the recurring sins happen again and again uh, and bringing those to the confessional. But thanks be to God, there is healing that's available through His grace, and we are grateful for that. Our spiritual director today, Father Patrick Hyde, as we are talking about the myths of confession, some great questions have come up, Father, and uh, we still have a number of people who are waiting on the phone lines. We've had some emails come in. And I think one of the recurring themes that I see both here on the emails and in the phone calls is people who haven't been to confession for a while or know somebody who hasn't been to confession for a while. For example, an email that came in, um, I'll keep this one anonymous, but just says, I've not been to confession in over 50 years. She says, I'm 66 now, and thanks to Relevant Radio, I've been thinking of going to confession. Um, but she wants so much to go to confession, she says, but she's afraid, embarrassed, ashamed that it's been so long, don't even know where to start. And maybe you can just reflect a little bit in our closing couple of minutes here, Father, just about how, you know, if people have been away from the sacrament, how not to be afraid, but also how to how to take that first step towards going back to the confessional. Yeah, well... As you're, you're reading that, Patrick, I, I'm not a very emotional guy, but I'm getting just teary-eyed of, of thinking of how many times uh, God has has blessed me as a priest and being able to to bring mercy to people who've been away. I mean, what it, it's the greatest gift we get, uh, other than uh, confecting the Eucharist as priests, is to be able to be a part of that healing. Uh, and I just want to encourage you to, to take that step in whatever way, you know, you, you just go and, and be the first one in line or reach out to your priest or uh, one of the things that, you know, uh, and I just, I mean, especially maybe if you've been to, if you're a good faithful Catholic and you're going regular, encourage your pastor or try to figure out how can we help father take care of some of those other things so that he can be available more often in the confessional. Mm. Uh, but uh, do take that next step, uh, you know, go to that next door parish and, and sit there. Uh, don't, you know, uh, just just take that step, whatever it is. Um, reach out to that priest. Uh, if you're, you know, there's there's the, the the guilt that we have should drive us to go to confession. When it becomes shame and it becomes our identity, it keeps us from Jesus. Yeah. But I just want to encourage you and invite you to live in the freedom and the fullness of who you are, which is a beloved child of God, and God offers you that healing through confession. Not because he wants you to hurt, but because he wants that weight to be free from your life. Amen to that. Thank you for that, Father. May we have a blessing from you, please. Absolutely. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless all of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Patrick Hyde has been our spiritual director. If you missed any part of it or want to share it, go back and listen to it again. Relevantradio.com slash inner life is where you can find this and all of our archive shows. Thanks for listening. Look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Grace and peace.